Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. The scripture this morning is from Colossians 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. In our prayers for you, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for all we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have heard of this hope before in the word of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehend the grace of God. This you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has, been, and he has made known to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard it, we have not ceased praying for you and asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may lead lives worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as you bear fruit in every good work and as you grow in the knowledge of God. May you be strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power May you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Nancy, for the reading of our scripture this morning from Colossians. A special thank you to our Genesis ringers this morning. It's good to have you in worship. And a special, special thank you to Jenny and Trey Smith for your testimony. Thank you so much. If we ever wondered what our live streaming the impact that it might have on our community, I think we've just witnessed that. And so we give thanks to God for that and for each of you. For those who might be joining us for the first time, we are in our third week of our stewardship emphasis, a fruitful life. We've been asking the question, what does a fruitful life look like? And we've also been asking the question about the church. What does a fruitful life in the church look like? I think for each one of us, it might look just a little bit different. I think it's fair to say, though, that whatever our image of what a fruitful life looks like, we might all be able to say that to some degree it involves bearing fruit. Bearing fruit. Maybe not oranges and apples and pears, but fruit nonetheless. In our letter this morning from Colossians, we hear about bearing fruit in the world and in our life of faith. 
If we have any gardeners in the house, then you know that fruit requires some tending to the seed. Whether it's caring for the soil, as Reverend Amber Lee has already indicated, caring for the soil, pruning, watering, even knowing when to harvest. These are all important things for bearing fruit. Now down on Chicopee Drive, Ted and I, we planted a vegetable garden out on the side of our house. Well, let me just be clear. Ted planted the vegetable garden on the side of the house. I always offer my two cents, and you know how that can go. I make my recommendations, my selections. Let's plant some tomatoes. I said, let's plant some tomatoes and some peppers. I like those. And Ted will say, well, you mean you want me to plant those? And I said, yeah, yeah, I want you to plant those. I want some basil, maybe some cucumbers. I want some other things. And Ted will say, well, okay, so you want me to plant those for you. Yes, yes, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. And the reason I say that is because I don't have a green thumb. I don't pretend to have a green thumb, but I'm a really good admirer of his, of his garden, and I love that. So I do this. Not because I don't, have a, I don't have a green thumb, but Ted would even say that he doesn't even have a green thumb. Because sometimes those seeds that he plants, they don't always bear fruit. This past summer, our garden was hardy and our planters were filled. And every evening we would go out there and we would admire them. We were proud of our garden. We thought it was thriving. It's like being proud parents, you know. Oh, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. It looked good, I was excited. We planted some tomatoes. We had several varieties. Those are my very favorite vegetable and or fruit, whatever you prefer to call them. And I could not wait to taste them, could not wait to taste them. We even planted some corn and a pumpkin. But as the plants began to grow, began to grow, the basil that we planted was thriving. And the hot peppers too, love hot peppers, those were thriving, but something was happening to the tomatoes, to the corn, and to the pumpkin. They were growing. But before they reached the point where you could eat them, we discovered that there was decay and rot. And we realized only too late what had happened. We discovered that the vines and the stalks weren't growing because there was an infestation of those pesty little bugs. And it was too late for us to spray anything on them and the crop was gone. The vegetation had become so diseased that there would be no bearing good fruit for us with our tomatoes, our corn, and our pumpkin. Needless to say, we were disappointed. Has it ever happened to you? I hope that it's happened to you. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> you plant in a garden, wanting to enjoy its abundance, and then you see those pesty little bugs, and they've gotten into the fruit, and the fruit has become rotten. It's not that the seed was bad, but that as the plant begins to grow, something begins to eat away at the good. With every season and every crop, we run the risk of a less than fruitful harvest. But if you plant enough seeds, if 
you plant enough seeds, there are sure to be some successes. And we had some successes with the basil. We have more basil than we know what to do with. And then we had lots and lots of peppers, and I was bringing them in by the handful, handfuls into the church. We enjoyed the fruit from that harvest. The Apostle Paul was all about planting seeds. Oh, he planted seeds everywhere he went, all along the Mediterranean seaboard. He threw some seeds in the smattering of, of Lystra and Derby, and Thessalonica and Philippi. He scattered some in Ephesus, scattered some in Galatia, and he tossed a few seeds in the manufacturing town of Colossae, known for its wool and cloth dyeing. It was a trading town, Colossae, and it was at the crossroads for ideas and religions. Colossae was also the place where many of the Jews that had been expelled from Jerusalem went to live. And because of its location and the trade industry, there was a varied population there of religious expressions being shared. Not least among them was the confusion about Jesus. The confusion about Jesus. There was an emphasis on a secret knowledge and angelic beings. Paul, who may have dictated this letter, wanted to remind the Colossian church about the gospel and the good news and the importance of nurturing the seeds that had been planted so that they could bear fruit. Isn't it like sometimes that's how it is? We open this, this ancient letter and we, we look at its yellowing pages and it's somewhat brittle and we think that it can't possibly have anything to say for us today and yet we open it up and we begin to read it and we wanna maybe put it in the archives in the basement and then we discover that it's so important and it is speaking to us today. Isn't that something, how this ancient letter can speak to the church even today? We're still having these same conversations. The church is always having theological conversations and is always having theological debate. Did you know that? Conversations about Jesus. Conversations about his teachings. Who is Jesus? Some say he's a good man. Maybe he's a prophet, a teacher, but he's not God. And then there are others that are shaking their head. They're saying, no, 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 you got that wrong. He is really God. He's the incarnate presence of the word. What do you mean he was resurrected? Well, you know the women went to the tomb and the stone was rolled away. You know the story. Today, we are still engaging differences of theology. We're not necessarily discussing who Jesus is, but rather the best way to follow him. And there are a hundred and plus perspectives on the best way to follow Jesus. But instead of focusing on on what we agree on in the church, you know, the empty tomb, the resurrection, eternal life, the important things, we find ourselves, I think, focusing on all those things that separate us. But 
What Paul does, even though this letter was probably written while he was in prison, chained with a guard watching over him 24-7, he doesn't want the church to lose its focus, but wants to remind the church about the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. It's the gospel. The word of hope is the word of God. And it's not meant to sow seeds of division, but seeds that will bear fruit. What does hope look like in the church? What does hope look like in your life? Perhaps I think, I don't know, y'all maybe know. Amber Lee and Ryan and Chad, maybe you know that maybe this past week here in our park, maybe there were seeds of hope that were planted. This past Thursday, our church hosted the clergy of North Georgia for a clergy day apart in our park. Close to 400 clergy were here for a time of fellowship, a time of worship, and of course, a time of eating together. You always got to eat. Now I want to let you know that this church shined. It shined. We now have the envy of every pastor that was here and the North Georgia Conference who saw that park. They now are coveting it, and they want one too. Our staff was incredible, outstanding. And the conference clergy saw firsthand what extravagant hospitality looks like. It was amazing. But gathered in the park that day, there were differing theological perspectives. They didn't all agree. Conservatives, progressives, centrists. But that day, it wasn't about what separates us but rather the unifying understanding of the gospel as a message of hope and of healing. One needed at a time when clergy and laity are experiencing exhaustion, fatigue, and burnout. And for a few, <laughs> for a few short hours, our differences didn't matter. Someone even said to me, everyone seems so happy. I don't know if people were happy. But I do know that for a brief moment, we all experienced the hope that comes from the gospel. The hope that has been planted in each one of us to bear fruit. Now, I don't know if any seeds were planted that day. But if they were, if there were seeds that were planted, I don't imagine that the harvest would be rotten fruit. The greatest opportunity that we have of bearing fruit is our witness in the world. I know this is a stewardship sermon. Can you believe it? And we have emphasized the commitment to the church with our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. And this word witness was added to our vows in 2008. And I believe that it is the greatest, greatest impact that we have right now in our world is our witness. Our witness as Christians, 
of all the vows, we know the vows, prayers, presence, gifts, all important, service, all important. But our witness, when we walk out the doors of this church, how are we behaving? How many times have we shuddered when someone has done or said something offensive and there they are wearing a cross? Or maybe they have a WWJD bracelet on. Or maybe they have one of those t-shirts that says, real men love Jesus. And their witness isn't bearing fruit for the kingdom of God. It's like walking out to the garden and seeing that there's been an infestation of pesty bugs and it's eating away at their soul. Paul says, lead lives worthy of the Lord. It's who we are. It's what we do. And I know that sometimes it's hard. It doesn't mean that we always have to agree, but it does mean that we have to behave. I believe that the local church is the fertile soil where we come to worship, to learn, to be nourished, to be fed, so that we can go out into that broken world and sow the seeds that we so desperately need. Somebody said to me recently, I worry about the church. I said, this church? You worry about this church? They said, no, 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 I don't worry about this church. I worry about the global church. And I, they said, I'm afraid that it's not gonna be around much longer. And my response was, oh, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid that it's not going to be around much longer. I'm not worried about that. We're not that powerful. <laughs> We're not that powerful. The only reason the church is in existence is because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit has chosen that the church would be in existence. Not because of what we have done. Because of the Holy Spirit at work and people's lives. And all we are being called to do is to be faithful. Faithful stewards. We're called to plant seeds that will bear fruit. Seeds of love. Seeds of compassion. Seeds of service. Seeds of grace. Seeds of prayer. And yes, seeds that we have with our own financial resources. And if we choose not to do this, God, God can find another Paul. God can find another Abraham or Moses or David or Ruth or Rahab or Barnabas or Peter or John or Mary. God can get somebody else. Paul is calling the church to be worthy, to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And though he is bound in chains... He lived the hope of the gospel because he understood that Jesus is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. We are to plant seeds that will bear fruit for generations. And one of those seeds is our seed of financial resources. Y'all, God doesn't need our money. <laughs> Did you know that? God doesn't need our money. But the fruit of our labor is the harvest and we give our first fruits and we give them to the Lord. And when we do this, then the one who is the vine 
allows us to become the branches, to grow across divisions, and to sow seeds in the community, nations, and around the world so that the world can know the forgiveness of sins and be made whole from a disease of the soul. I want to close with this. It's a story I heard. One night, a man was sitting in a little church. It was a Sunday evening. It was summer. It was hot. And there was a window open near one of the sides of the pew where he was sitting. The minister was preaching on his favorite text. Be not the first by whom the new is tried, because a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. It's better to be safe than sorry, because fools rush in where angels fear to tread. And the man sat there listening to the preacher drone on. And a visitor came by the church building and stopped by the window and said, The man sitting in the pew said, what is it? I'm listening to the sermon. And the visitor said, come with me. Where are you going? Where I'm going, two fish and five loaves of bread will feed 5,000 people. The man sitting in the pew said, there's no such thing. And the visitor said, in fact, I know where there is a kingdom that with the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And the man said, that's ridiculous. And the visitor said, in fact, there is a place where the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, the laborers are few. The man in the pew said, well, that's just stupid. And he sat there and he listened to the rest of the sermon. And after it was over, he told the preacher about how he was disturbed by the visitor and hoped that it didn't bother the preacher and that it didn't upset him during the sermon. The preacher said, well, what was that? The man said, I don't know, telling me all this fancy stuff. And the preacher asked, well, what, was he getting anybody? The man said, well, none of our crowd, but I noticed he had about 12 with him. Hmm. I wonder, what does a fruitful life look like? Don't you wonder? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.